Hi, I'm Ingrid, host of What the CF, a Cystic Fibrosis podcast. Before we get into the first episode, I just want to tell you a little bit more about us. So in this series, it's all about diagnosis. So we'll be sharing our journey and all the questions and topics that we had to discover over the last year. I really hope that this can help the CF community and we really want to tell Kiwi stories, New Zealand stories and help support our local community. Please note that we're not a medical podcast, so you should always check any of the details from this podcast with your CF team. We do have the support of Cystic Fibrosis New Zealand, so when we're covering any tricky topics, we will take their guidance. There's over 500 people living with cystic fibrosis in New Zealand and over 70,000 globally, and our son Orson is one of those people. This week, I'm joined by my husband, Ian, and we're going to discuss our journey to Orson's diagnosis. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of What the CF, a Cystic Fibrosis podcast. I'm Ingrid Grenard and I'm here with my other half, better half, bigger half. (laughs) Definitely bigger. Um, Husband. Husband, that's one of the words. I think it's legally binding. We're not sure. We got (laughs) married in Vegas, so I'm, I think it's probably not. debatable. It's probably not legal. Anyway, uh, hello. Who are you? I'm uh, Ian Wright, your yeah. husband. Okay. <laughs> um, um, so, yeah, quick intro from us. We are married, uh, probably officially. We live here in New Zealand. We've been here for nine years. Yeah, nine years in about in about a week's time. We've been here nine years. Um, came here visiting um, 12 years ago and just loved it. Went home sorted our lives out and came back and moved here for good and it's where we've chosen to raise our family yes which we now have we do have a family because when we came here we didn't have a family we were footloose and fancy free yeah we were young and single uh going out partying we weren't single oh (laughs) 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 sorry i'm in a relationship with my children Uh, (laughs) we were young and not single but we were, we were childless. Childless. So we could go outside, basically. <laughs> we could party. We'd go to the pub uh, and uh, clubbing and all sorts. Um, um, things but then which... in 2016, we tied the knot in Las Vegas. And shortly after that monumentous event, yeah. uh, we were with child. Can I just say it wasn't a shotgun wedding? I know no, there's, no, there's a lot of vicious rumours out there that we run off to Vegas because we were pregnant. We weren't, and uh, I, I don't think we conceived till many months after. No, it was like a month after. A month? Oh, yeah. cool. And so we had a little boy called Harrison, who's now almost four, and it went so well that we decided to have a second child. Yes. Which is our little Orson, which is what brings us to starting this podcast, because Orson has cystic fibrosis. So he was diagnosed late, uh, as he was uh, not diagnosed through the hill prick test. So, just to go rewind on uh, Orson, very normal pregnancy, although I was classified as a, a geriatric pe- pregnancy at 38, 39. And, but it, normal pregnancy, I was just very tired, and he was born, I think, five, six days past his due date. He was the exact same measurement and weight as his brother. Um, labour was very exciting. Do you remember anything about that, Ian? No, I don't have any memory of that labour whatsoever. <laughs> Lucky you. Uh, it was a lot quicker, shall we say. Harrison's labour was over 16 hours? Yeah, about 16, yeah. 
Um, yeah, Harrison's labour was about 16 hours. So I was sort of expecting a similar. I was expecting half, like eight hours. Yeah, well, I was expecting not to get to the, the intense, really intense bit until <laughs> a little bit later. But it came so quickly. It was very confusing for me as uh, I felt like I was an, um, you know, I, I've done this before. I know what I'm doing. I had my, uh, my app timing the contractions and everything. And so it was a bit surprising when it came. I mean, what was it? Two hours? I don't know. Yeah, two hours. I think it would have been quicker if we weren't going to the hospital because I basically had to hold him in. Yeah. So, but yeah, it was very full on, very intense, very quickly. And both our support people that were supposed to come to look after Harrison <laughs> didn't, didn't answer. answer the phone. So it was like, oh, it looks like we're having this baby here. I thought I couldn't even get downstairs because I mm. could feel him. He was right there. And managed to wake up our neighbour after many I, attempts Seriously, it was literally the, the last attempt. I'd been banging on the door. I can't remember how many times. And it got to, I literally thought, well, this is it. I'll give it one more go and then, then we just all have to go or we'll just have to see what happens. Uh, and then she did come, she did come to the door um, and probably had the fright of her life. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then she had to come in the house. So I, I got down the stairs. I was very vocal. I and mean, I was, at, it was, I was giving birth, basically. Yeah. And you'd lined all the car seat with bin bags yeah. which was very good romantic very good um and we got I, I don't remember hitting a red light and i think we got to the air the airport <laughs> <laughs> and i said get on that plane i don't want to see you ever again it's strange if we whether we got to the hospital <laughs> that in really like five minutes or something we did re- really well and i think no traffic again yeah it was two was it uh, but his head was there it was sunday night so yeah, it was monday the early morning. hours of monday morning and then you went to get the wheelchair and wheeled me through the hospital atrium. Uh, woke up a security guard. He had the fright. He, I was screaming. Yeah, that woke him up. It was quite funny to see his face. And then we got in the lift, and then we got out the lift, and I directed you in the wrong direction. Yeah, you made me turn the wrong way. <laughs> so you were run, running, pushing me in the wrong direction. thing while I was screaming. Then we turned around, realised we are going the wrong way, went all the way back, and then I just had one big push, and the baby's head was out. Came out. Before we got into the ward... So then mm. uh, uh, I just saw um, people in sort of scrubs charging towards the ward door, flung the doors open and you were like, where? And they just pointed to the nearest room and wheeled me in and then he was born. Uh, so it was so quick. Um, so very normal uh, birth and his scores were top notch. <laughs> they get like, a score when they're born. Is it like the Olympics? Is it no, like they get ice a skating? score. Oh, I can't okay. remember what it's called, but they get a score from the midwife who checks all their health points. He was like, everything's perfect. Um, and then was off to birth care. So I had I was in birth care by like half four in the morning. Um, and the only thing I noticed about Orson is he was really mucousy, um, but he didn't have any problems with his poo. And it wasn't like particularly bad or tarry or anything that's kind of would highlight anything to do with CS. But he was quite mucousy. Um, and I did actually ask the nurses, the midwives, when they came in about that. And they were like, oh, no, some babies are just a bit like that. And they also said that because he'd been born so quickly, that often the mucus hadn't had a chance to be squeezed out of him. So mm. part of the process of birth is all that stuff um, gets pushed out. So, again, maybe it was that. Maybe it wasn't. Um, don't we'll, we'll not know if that was CF. Um, but then, you know, he was a perfect baby breastfed really well put on weight hit all his milestones um had no reason to be concerned and then i think about eight weeks old he got a cold and so he was just snotty in a normal cold thing i think after about two or three weeks of that cold he started with the cough and uh the cough just didn't go away and if you remember it it got it was quite bad where he would cough where he was going red 
And then yeah. as soon as he got his breath back, then he'd just be happy and smiling. So we didn't really think much. We kept thinking, well, he can't be ill because he's so happy and he didn't have a well, temperature. Well, yeah, because yeah, he wasn't like ill, ill. He just had a cough. But then you took him to the doctors how many times? The GP. Yeah, I took him to the doctors weekly. After about six weeks, I took him weekly. I think I took him after four weeks and they were like, oh, look, their immune system isn't great. So it can take, these things can stick around with babies and he hasn't got a temperature. There's no reason to be worried, blah, blah, blah. So the cough continued, but after a while, I sort of was taking him weekly. And actually, I think we almost started to not hear it to an extent because I'd noticed people's reactions if they were around and he coughed their faces because it did sound really bad. But I think we almost just got used to that cough. After about, I think it was maybe 10 Eight weeks of him having the cough, I went back to the GP and said, please, can we be referred for a chest x-ray? Because I thought, you know, it's not right. And we'd never been offered antibiotics or anything, um, which turned out to be a good thing because otherwise it might have cleared up and we may not have found out for longer. Who knows? Um, So we got referred to Starship Clinic, which we went to. I'm just trying to remember the other thing. Cystic fibrosis was in the back of my mind at that point because he was salty yeah, when you, you and know, I became quite him. obsessed with it, and I was always looking, and I kept saying, "He is salty, he is salty." And so I, I was trying not. I think for a while I was trying not to even utter the words. I think both of us were because it was almost like you didn't want to think about it. I, I suppose I felt like there's no point until you know we were going to the doctors, we we're going through the process, so there's no point actually verbalizing or talking about that too much until you actually got a diagnosis. Yeah, if but, you know what I mean. But I that know. was in the back of my head, and also. Um, I had a, a experience of cystic fibrosis growing up where my mum's friend's son was diagnosed very late at, at 12 years old. Um, and I remember it being really quite devastating. And he was very, very ill. And my mum used to talk about the physio that she had to do and how sad it was for the family and that kind of stuff. So as soon as that was in my mind, I was already kind of like, this is a terrible situation. This is a terrible disease for him to have. Um, so we went to Starship and the doctor was very happy with him again because he was chubby he was he was so happy he's such a happy kid anyway but he was fat and chubby and um very healthy looking he examined him he listened to his lungs heard nothing so he said i'm not expecting to find anything but let's do the chest x-ray which we did that and so we went back in and he pointed out where he had what i'm i don't know if he said that word but i've been calling them foggy like foggy lungs yeah like a smudge they were both foggy and then there was a few bigger smudges. And so that was the first time he really was confronted with, it's really not right. But he still didn't think cystic fibrosis, but he said we would do the sweat test. But I mean, he said, I expect it to come back negative. Yes, yeah, so we booked for that sweat test and we came out of Starship and I was pretty upset after that appointment. Do you remember how you felt? I can't remember. I don't know. I honestly can't remember. I don't know. Well, I remember crying in the car park about it and you were very felt like it's going to be fine and I really don't think he has it because of all the other Mm. and that's the thing when you are waiting for a diagnosis in our situation because it was later you have the whole of Google to read and I'd read everything already and then the minute this had happened then I read more and more and more and I kept swaying between he has it he doesn't have it because he had the salty skin and he had the persistent cough but he had nothing else and he didn't have any of the other hallmarks I think that's pretty much how I felt Uh, because one minute you think yeah he's probably got it and then the next minute you say no he hasn't because it's because basically it was pointing in both directions 
So until we had a, a definitive diagnosis, I, I, I mean, I was going back and forth in my head, thinking it was and it wasn't. And then we had the sweat test and that came back indeterminate. And I got a phone call from the specialist to say the results are looking like Orson probably has cystic fibrosis. And then they said, can you bring him into hospital now? And so we went in and we took him. And obviously in between that phone call and me speaking to you, because I think you were still doing your radio show, so I had to wait. Um, And I literally went through like all this grief in kind of the 40 minutes I had to wait before I could speak to you about it. And then they said he had to come into hospital now Now, because they had to treat him as if he has it, even though it was still maybe not sure. But he pretty much said he does. So we got there and I was just sobbing and we were in that mm. room waiting for them. And then they came in and then the doctor looked a bit like... He backtracked. Big yeah, style. he said, I think I've jumped the gun a bit. So I don't know what what happened in that situation. Yeah. Um, but then we started to think, oh, they've got it wrong. Yeah. But they're, they're being cautious. So then we really thought we've got it wrong. And then he, he said the sweat test is actually indeterminate. Um but obviously we have to treat him like he has cystic fibrosis because of the chest x-ray and the sweat test. So we'll probably do another sweat test. And then through conversations, I think we ended up to do the gene pool test. Yeah. Um, because we just wanted to find out. But what was so confusing in that day is we met a physio who told us how to do the physio. We met genetics and we met uh, like a registrar doctor as well and both of us were just sitting there going but he hasn't got it or he has got it and we just didn't know it did seem a bit weird where they were basically one minute saying you have to come into hospital now it's an emergency so we rush in adrenaline pumping obviously and then we get told oh wait 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 wait, actually i might have made a mistake or he uh, we didn't say that but he said we need to i've probably jumped the gun a bit yeah and then but he didn't tell us how why he jumped the gun or why he thought one thing or the other um, but yeah, so we ended up being in the hospital for quite a few hours, which was exhausting, but we had urine tests, blood tests. So then yeah. I just thought, well, the fact is he's getting tested for everything and we rule everything out. And there are other things that could have been going on. He was still very young, you know, so I think he was six months. So that was February. Uh, yeah, because that appointment was the Tuesday after my 40th birthday. So okay. that's why I know. So then we did the genetic test the blood test and they wanted us to do another sweat test and i said no until we get some information from the genetic test because i said it's getting like it's so stressful and we're going back and forth and we he's got it he's not got it i don't know what's going on at that point i'd met jan um so people um who have been lucky enough to um meet jan she's a cystic fibrosis nurse at auckland starship and she's been doing that job for decades um so she's really experienced and she was really great on the phone and kind of listened to me rant and I'm a detailed kind of research person so I had loads of questions had loads of information and you know was sort of semi sort of probably arguing about whether he had it or didn't have it or and she was really good and listened and just said you know we'll just have to wait but she said the sweat test is is the test so you could just have another one but I just said I don't want to do it if it comes back indeterminate again and then we're still waiting so we were waiting on those bloods and they took six or seven weeks and a bit longer actually because then I kept chasing up and the doctor said that they found him to be a carrier but they didn't find him to have two genes so this was the first thing that happened so I was like okay so she was like so he is a carrier however I've sent it back for them to do the full gene pool because I'm still not happy with the sweat test, the uh, lung x-ray, and now 
the fact that he's a carrier. So that I want them to search for, you know, a more a less common gene. So that took another three weeks, and then that did come back, and we asked to be phoned immediately when they got results. So normally they ask you to come into hospital yeah, for yeah. those. But I said I've had enough. I went as soon as you get a result, just, just tell us. us. And by then we'd sort of come to terms with it. Like we went away for a wedding. This was just before COVID as well. So this was last year, um, February last year. Um, end of Feb, we were away. And I think we were still awaiting the results then. And a week out of lockdown in March, we got the diagnosis and we got our first clinic appointment. Um, and Orson had one FD508 and one super rare one. Which and so his combination makes him one of twenty people with that com- combination. So there's no data on it either. So when you go onto the database, yeah, there's only about I think there's like twenty two people in the yeah. world who have that combination. So there's no much data out there yet. So as a parent, like the initial thing is you're like, okay, we've got this thing. What is it? What can we do about it? What's it going to mean? How's he going to be? And literally, no one can tell you anything <laughs> initially. Um, which is right and you come to terms with that and you also come to terms with that that's what his life will be like that we don't know until we'll just have to see how he copes but yeah so that was his diagnosis journey which was pretty long so at that point he would have been almost seven months old which in cf world nowadays is considered a late diagnosis yeah but I do know of some people in the CFNZ Facebook group who, whose children have been diagnosed late in that. But then we obviously had the, oh, his Harrison got it. But I mean, Harrison's had no signs of any respiratory yeah. problems. Generally doesn't get sick. If he does, he's sick for a day. So Harrison never had a reason for us to be concerned. But we did do a sweat test for him, yeah. which came back negative. And again, he doesn't have the salty skin. But again, I also know that lots of CF kids don't have the salty skin from what I've read. So, you know, but anyway, so there we were. So that was then lockdown. So we kind of got this news and then got locked down. Oh, and, um, you know, pandemic kicking off a respiratory disease, which is, you know, no one knows much about. And we've just had this bombshell. So it was quite a time. Yeah, it was quite scary. Because obviously, yeah, at the beginning, we know a little bit more about COVID now, but at the beginning, when we were first went into lockdown, it was, I think, in some respects, a lot more scary because the the unknown. You oh, really yeah. didn't know, even though they said, oh, children aren't affected as, as, as badly as adults. And obviously, the older you get, the worse it is for you. But at the time, it's still like, yeah, but what if you've got a condition like CF? No one seemed to know anything. So it was quite scary. So going into lockdown, I don't know, it's weird. The lockdown thing, it was quite... Lockdown was actually good and therapeutic. And actually it was exactly... The first thing was it protected Orson because we were locked away and Harrison wasn't at daycare and we were at home. It gave us a reason to stop. So it meant I would just be at home with the kids and it meant we were all together as a family and we got to digest this news in a way that we wouldn't have done um, I think if that hadn't have happened, if we hadn't have been locked down, I feel like it would have semi, it wouldn't have sunk in in the same way because I wouldn't have taken the time for it to sink in. Definitely. Yeah, I think because you would have been busy with work, it would have taken twice as long or maybe even longer to um, obviously, yeah, get your head around this whole situation. As you said as well, it probably felt good as well because we couldn't even just keep him away from general colds and flu and all sorts because we were all locked away in our, in our bubble. 
So strangely, yet yeah, I think lockdown felt right. But it was also a good education in a crash course education in <laughs> uh, mask wearing, uh, hand sanitizing, hand washing, um, just keeping everything as healthy as possible for a kid with CF that might have felt more like oh my god there's so much uh, to do when actually oh no the whole world has to do this so it actually felt better because mm. you thought well actually everyone's doing this now and then so everyone knows what it's like so even when in a couple of years time when hopefully we're not dealing with this to the same extent everyone will go oh remember when we had to do this and we'll be like we actually we always have, have to, to do, do that this. um and then people will all understand yeah how it feels when you start to think oh you know any respiratory illness could cause my child a lot of trouble compared to a normal child um but and, and as you said when we've had gatherings or had after obviously lockdown not during lockdown but after lockdown when we have had gatherings you don't still feel so you mentioned this um i don't think it's so much so weird to ask people to wash their hands yeah and te- everyone has to we like oh can you take your shoes off and can you wash your hands before doing anything and yeah it doesn't i think that's definitely does not feel awkward now i it think just before feels yeah before covid it would have probably been awkward and people go what are you trying to say about my hands yeah <laughs> and also then you don't i mean most people know now because i made the decision or we made the decision to actually announce it via the social medias which isn't for everyone and it's not necessarily even what i think i would have done again if we hadn't been going through what we were going through yeah but i i felt like Telling people individually was exhausting because you had to do it on the phone or, you know, a FaceTime type call or something. Um, And I actually kind of like rip it off like a Band-Aid, just wanted to tell everyone so they knew and say it once. And I don't really regret that um, because it it meant it was out there. But since I've realised that you don't actually have to tell people if you don't want to. No. And the problem with telling people... That or the first, I, I then got invited, you know, when things calmed down and people were like are wanting to catch up or meet up, I had massive social anxiety after the first lockdown because lockdown was safety. And once that lockdown was lifted, I suddenly felt like, oh, I don't want to go outside and I don't want to take in places. And I didn't want to see people because I didn't want to have those conversations where everyone feels sorry for you. I understand that. It's weird. I'd, I think, I don't know, I probably didn't tell as many people I told a few of the uh, direct uh, co-workers and stuff. And it is awkward because then people start asking numerous questions. And I feel like they're saying, look, just... Google it. <laughs> Google it. Well, this is actually... I give them the overview and then I just say Google it. And then I feel sometimes now, when I speak to people, I think they uh, still haven't Googled it properly. No. And they don't. I don't think they even understand or realise how ser- serious this yeah. condition can be. And they think it's something he's just going to grow out of or it was just a phase or it was just a thing he had and it's gone. I think people forget he's even got it. I don't know. It's, well, but I it's understandable because it's not their know, world and it's not their place. So, But that that's also uh, one of the things that's difficult, I think, with anyone who's got a child with a chronic illness is you're not going to go on and on about it because it is just become part of your life and people say like with CF and the routines that you get into with physio and hospital visits and antibiotics and everything else, um, that just becomes part of your life. So you're not necessarily going to talk about it all the time. The other thing is you don't want to talk about doom and gloom. And what I found the worst when he got diagnosed was private messages of people telling me uh, what I would say, good news stories and inverted commas, (laughs) but basically like, oh, my friend's mother's sister's brother knows someone with CF and he's 54 yeah. and it's kind of like my kid's a baby so 
I expect my baby to have a long and happy, healthy life. And suddenly you're confronted with that there's something that could mean that doesn't happen. And so people telling you that someone's alive at 54 is not really something that's a positive. You're saying, by saying that, you're saying, isn't this a surprise? And the life expectancy thing is one of the, you know, first things that jumps out of you on the internet. But when you're in hospital and you get that diagnosis, that is not something that they, they talk to you about. They say very clearly that... Things are changing all the time. Everyone's an individual. Um, and it's and they said CF is such an individual journey. Even people who have the same genetic mutations will not have the same yeah. experiences. And it, within the same families, if you have two children, they won't have the same. So you really can't know. And the fact that any life expectancy age is, you know, it is a medium, is is bang in the middle of something. So you've got people at either ends of the spectrum. Yeah, I had various ones of that. I had people talking about, oh, uh, so-and-so I know had a lung transplant. They're doing really well. Again, don't really want to hear that. When you've got a baby, you're looking at this tiny little baby um, who's just growing up as normal as possible. You do not want to think about lung transplants when they're a baby. So I know all of these come with good intentions. Um, But part of this podcast, like you said, people asking and you feel like, can you just go do your own research? (laughs) Part of this podcast is to help those, not only people that are just going through the diagnosis journey, because we've gone through it in the last year and we wanted to share what we'd gone through, but also for your friends and family, um, I would like you to be able to share episodes of this podcast. So when they say what does it mean or you know i want to understand more about it you can say listen to this episode of what the cf because they talk about it um and that's like pretty much our motivation was so um ian is a, a broadcaster by profession now but we've both worked in radio and broadcasting for um i don't know 15 20 years and done various radio projects and podcasting projects before but we've never done anything personal before this no is our first. this is our first very personal thing so it does feel very strange and uh, even though I've, we've both been doing this for many years, I think this makes it a lot harder doing something this personal. Yeah, so we just wanted to do something that we could do. And I think part of it is having some sort of power or control over the story that we tell with Orson. And and the posts that I see on the Facebook group, there's so many questions that come up that are the same things or people's new experiences. So there was just so many things that I thought I can help with this because... Yeah. It's my natural thing to research and get all the information possible. And I just wanted to share it. In this first series, this whole first series is dedicated to your initial diagnosis. So uh, there's so much information that you get for a start. It's very overwhelming. You're coming to terms with this whole thing. And in the pandemic times, you know, there'll be people listening now who've just had diagnosis and it's still COVID around. I think it's scary enough having a baby. Oh, exactly. In COVID times. I, to be honest, that's gone through my head so many times because I see so many friends online who've uh, obviously become pregnant or had children during last year or this year. And I just thought, what an insane time to give birth to a child. And then get a diagnosis. Yeah. And that's one thing I've, I feel like, um, although Orson got diagnosed late and it was a bit of a journey, I, I feel like that heel prick test diagnosis must be so much more overwhelming because you're dealing with those initial birth hormones new baby it might be your first baby so everything that you've gone through with labor and pregnancy and and to get that on top of it um i just think you know there's so much going on that i can imagine when you get that information in those early weeks that you're just not 
you know prepared or taking it all in and there's that thing of telling your immediate family and and who you know and how immediately you have to tell your immediate family depends on your personal situation episodes in this series do include an interview with Kelly from genetics and she talks through how CF happens and why it happens the different genetic mutations she talks about future children and how you might go about doing that and it's a really good interview to share with others and actually even if you're looking for the right words of um, how to explain CF to people because you're new to the CF world listening to that interview just gives you the words that's coming up. Also going to have a chat with CFNZ because um, people become accustomed with them and find out what they do, how they support families and what their work is in the community. And an interview with Trikafta for Kiwis who are currently campaigning for um, Trikafta, the medication for cystic fibrosis, which is currently not funded in New Zealand, but is funded in other parts of the world, including the UK. Oh, and I, I hope to speak to uh, a midwife to go through... Um, it's a bit late. You've had two kids. <laughs> <laughs> damn it uh speak to a midwife um, to talk about cf pregnancies to talk about carrying a baby with cf um we should also say with orson he's currently not taking any medication uh, he's a very happy little kid it's uh one of those things that everyone who has a kid with cf will have heard but they're like oh he looks so well so people when people see him you're constantly reminded by other people that your kid has cf <laughs> even though you never forget yeah I just want to have a normal conversation and then people will be like, oh, he just looks so well, you'd never know. Which is just a weird thing to say about any chronic illness because people yeah. are walking around with lots of things that you wouldn't know about and they shouldn't have to wear it on their sleeve necessarily. Sleeve, that word was sleeve. Just edit that, just cut it. <laughs> sleeve. I'll do it for you and you can edit my voice in. Sleeve. <laughs> so one thing that's going to happen on every podcast is we're going to have a what the cf moment and this can be a moment of joy or sadness or frustration or shock that's around cf um if you follow us on instagram what the cf pod um you will see examples of this that we've already talked about our son is pancreatic sufficient so we're not having to give him any enzymes but it does appear that we do have to give him extra calories so my what the cf moment is just how much food that boy can put away yeah this is true and how much he wants to put away because he oh constantly wants to eat he doesn't stop and he's starting to talk he's 18 months old but his favorite word for food for the food he loves the most is a bee a bee which is for a banana. It's not. He don't. He's not eating bees. Uh, <laughs> um, he will go a bee, a bee, and he, it means he wants a banana. So I know he's a growing, a growing boy, and so he would be uh, hungry. But yeah, I have been surprised at just how much he can put away. He's he's a tank. <laughs> Frank the tank. <laughs> Am I supposed to do a what the CF moment? Yeah. So what would yours be? I have no idea. You sprung this on me. I completely didn't. You it can didn't... be anything, but it, preferably maybe a recent thing. Um, what or something f- you found out that you didn't know about CF. CF. I mean, one thing I will we can touch on what the CF. I did know obviously about what CF uh, cystic fibrosis was, and it was to do with uh, a you know, build up of mucus. People with it had to have physical therapy, to the, and I didn't know much about the pancreatic side of it, and I didn't realise so much. That was would have been one of my big revelations. Um, would be or my what the CF moment would be finding out more about that side of it and realizing that it does affect the digestive system as much as the lungs. People with CF do normally have to consume a lot of uh, calories and don't keep weight on. So that's why again it was just 
as we've already touched on, it was quite confusing because as a baby, he was big. very big, chubby, healthy baby and was putting weight on. So it didn't make sense. Yeah, so for many people with CF, um, they need to be given enzymes in order to digest food. So for children with CF, they often have a failure to thrive because of the digestion, and that would flag any issues if they weren't diagnosed. Yeah, I, I, like you said, I, I w- wouldn't expect anyone to know about cystic fibrosis particularly, unless you have personal experience of it. And even those that do have personal experience of it, say friends with cystic fibrosis, They don't know the full story, and the reason they don't know the full story is because people who have chronic illnesses don't tell other people Mm, everything they're going through. Because you, A, you want to be normal, and, you know, you don't want to be the downer in the room that's going, oh, and this and this. People who have serious challenges in life are rarely ever people that complain about anything. Yeah, this is true. So... Bear in mind, if you're listening to this and and you know someone who has cystic fibrosis or a relative has, um, you know, you will only be hearing a fraction of the story. And so be kind. So if you've got any questions or topics that you wish for us to raise in a future podcast, you can contact us through an email, which is wtcfpod at gmail.com. I did think that it was going to be quite emotional talking about it, and it has been. Uh, but we both ended up crying with laughter. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to episode one of What the CF, a Cystic Fibrosis podcast. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it's been useful. And um, we'd love to hear from you and hear about your stories or any questions or topics that you'd like us to cover on the podcast. So please email us on wtcfpod at gmail.com or visit whatthecf.com for more information. I've been Ingrid Grenard. And uh, I've been Ian Wright. This is, I don't know, a very hard thing. I'm very proud of my wife, Ingrid. She is the person that came up with this whole concept and is her her brainchild. And I'm just very proud of you for doing this. And it is a ridiculously hard thing for anyone to do. Um, I think talk about very personal things, uh, especially on a podcast. So I just wanted to say how much I appreciate you for doing this. And I think uh, a lot of people out there listening will appreciate you as well. So, um, yeah, I love you for that. And um, goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Mic drop. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. We had crying laughter and real crying. I knew I'd make you cry in the end. Okay. All right, I'm going. I've had enough. (laughs) On that bombshell. Um, We'll be back. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Anyway. Uh, anyway, over and out. Yeah, over and Until out. Until next time. Until next time. Um, what the CF. Um, <laughs> <laughs> See, this is how you're supposed to say it, because it has to sound like that. Just what the CF. Yeah. Out. Bye-bye. See ya. Bye. If you want to find out more about us, go to whatthecf.com, and you can find out more about our story and how you can support us through donations.